Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift it is to have your word. And we thank you that you are not just merciful in speaking to us, but that you do open our ears so that we understand with our minds and turn with our hearts and are able to become more like your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you may help us as we look into the words of the Lord Jesus in this sermon given so many years ago. We pray that it may be helpful for us this morning and that it may spur us to pray more to you, the good Father, who looks after his children. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think we all learn what it means to ask people for things from a very young age. Even before we're able to communicate with our mouths and speak and say exactly what we want, I've learned that you can ask for things even without speaking the English language. My son Joshua being a very good example. He's now six months old and he has not spoken a single word of English yet, although we do think he said yay at one point um, when we were watching some television together. But I don't think it really counts. But he is still able to ask for things. He asks all the time. He cries and he cries and he cries and that is his way of asking us to do something. And now that he's gotten a bit bigger and can move his arms and put them in a place where he, he wants them to be, at first it was just sort of whirly motions of I have no control of these things, what are they? Now, if you offer something to him, he asks for it by putting out his hands and makes motions and starts to get all happy and excited about it. He asks for things from a very young age and I'm sure the demands will keep coming and they'll just get a little bit more specific as he gets older and learns the English language. Asking is something that we all do naturally. We all learn it uh, from a very young age. And Jesus wants to teach us something about asking here in this passage in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount for uh, many months now and we've come to this section in Matthew chapter 7 this morning, beginning at verse 7. If you've got a Black Church Pew Bible, it's found on page 961. Matthew chapter 7 and little number 7, verse 7, is where we're up to. And Jesus is teaching us something specifically about asking. He gives us this command in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is teaching us something about asking. And it's a particular type of asking. It's the asking of God. Putting your request before God. And that is what we usually refer to as prayer. The Bible calls it prayer. And that's what Jesus wants to teach us about this morning, is about prayer. And so the first thing I want to draw to your attention that Jesus teaches us about prayer, my first main point this morning is that prayer works. Asking God works. And so that's my first main point. If you've got a bulletin there, they're on the back page, my three main points this morning. First point is prayer works. Jesus tells us to pray. He tells us to ask, seek and knock. And he doesn't just say, do it, because I say so. He says, no, it will give a result. It actually works to ask God for something. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. 
For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus wants to make clear. Asking, seeking and knocking to God, they all actually work. You will find, the door will be opened, you will receive if you come before God in prayer. Now some commentators look at those three verbs that we have there, the three imperatives, ask, seek and knock, and they say, oh, it's increasing strength. So at first you ask, and then if you don't get uh, the thing from your parent, as you do as a child, you then start seeking them out actively. You sort of call around the house at first, and then you, uh, you ask them, and then you seek them, and then you knock if they close the bedroom door on you and don't want to hear your request. You keep knocking at the door. You're persistent, and so it's increasing strength that you keep going to God. Now that might be the case, or it may just be that they're synonyms. They're just uh, ways of describing the same thing again and again. I think it's not about working out whether they're increasing strength. I think the point that Jesus is making is that prayer, although it doesn't inform God about things in this world, God knows everything, it actually does work. It does work to come before God, to seek him out, to knock to him, to ask him of things. It actually works. And this makes sense. If you don't ask for something, how do you expect that you will get it? You see this with couples. They somehow expect that the other person in the relationship understands exactly what they want without them actually opening their mouth. They expect the the other member of the couple is a mind reader. And I think this is particularly something that the female uh, side of the species uh, expects. There's this whole thing that I learnt about as I started dating and then got married called hint language, where girls, they say, I am thirsty on the couch. And you think that's a statement of fact. All right, she's thirsty, she just wanted to tell me. Where actually what it means is a request, it's an ask. It's, will you go get me a drink? And if they'd said, will you go get me a drink? Well, then of course I would have said, yes, I'll get you a drink, what would you like? But when she says, I am thirsty, I think, doesn't she know where the fridge is? Like, why does she need to tell me? that she is thirsty, that she's asking. And it makes sense that people would want to be asked if you're expecting something. You won't get if you don't ask. Now, it's a little different with God. He can read our minds, unlike your spouse. He can read our minds, but he still likes us to behave the way we behave with others. He wants us to come before him and ask him for things. And it's the same with seeking. It makes sense if you don't seek, you won't find. This is a classic statement. I say, oh, where are my shoes? I can't find my shoes. And my wife says, have you looked? Because I probably looked just around the bedroom. I sort of cast my eyes around the room and then expected her to know exactly where they were in the house. No, you need to seek something if you're going to find it. Now, God gives us things a lot of the time that we haven't actually sought out. He is just generous and gives them to us and we probably never even knew that we needed them. We just take them for granted. So God does that a lot of the time. But some of the time he likes us to seek things from him. He likes us to seek him out. And it's the same with knocking. It makes sense. If you don't knock, the door won't be opened. Imagine going up to a door, knocking on it. Well, no, going up to a door, standing there and then going away disgruntled because no one answered the door. It's just ridiculous. No, you need to knock if the door is going to be opened. Now, sometimes God's a bit of a different situation. He barges the door down and comes into your life and that's what he does when we become a Christian. He, he comes in with his irresistible grace. 
but he still likes us to knock, he still likes us to request. So although God is a little different, he still wants us to ask, seek and knock. And he says, if you do so, you will receive, you will find and the door will be opened. Let that reality sink in, that God says it works when you ask, seek and knock. It will happen. How many things have you wanted, have you sought out, have you knocked at, have you desired and you've never asked God for them? You've gone about your own way of getting such things. You want to be a better person, you want to be more holy and that's a good and righteous thing to desire. But instead of going about to the Lord in prayer for that, you set up all these regulations in your life. You set up accountability partners. You memorise the Ten Commandments so that you'll know them. And you want to be a more holy person, so you go about it all yourself without actually asking God to help you, to give you more and more increasing holiness. Or you may want to be more faithful in your Bible reading. And so you get a Bible reading plan. There's many on the internet. You can find one and you think, I'm going to read the Bible this year and I'm going to make sure that I understand. I'm going to have this program and you set it all up. But you never ask God to help you read the Bible this year, that he's going to give you the strength and power to do so. No, you go about it yourself without thinking to ask God to give you the ability to read the Bible in the full year. Or you want to increase in wisdom. So what do you do? You don't ask God. No, there's lots of Christian books. There's Kurong up the road, stacks there. I'll go there. That's where I'll find wisdom. And if I set myself some sort of reading program, I'll be wise then. But you've never asked God for wisdom. And maybe you're not a Christian here this morning. And you want to be a Christian. And that's a good thing to desire. But sometimes people want to be a Christian and they go about it by looking at Christians around them, those people who call themselves Christians and they want to imitate those people so they start going to church, they start reading the Bible, they start being a good person, behaving like the Christians around them and they've never asked God that they could be a Christian and that means that they aren't a Christian at all. The only way to become a Christian is to repent of your sins, to ask God's forgiveness for your sins and ask that his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus' sacrifice, is a sacrifice for you. You cannot become a Christian without asking God to forgive your sins. So why don't we ask? Why don't we pray? We're supposed to. It works. Why don't we? Well, I think there's two reasons and they both relate to the fact that we really lack humility as people. As part of the human race, pride is that thing that always gets in the way and we lack humility in coming to God. Why do we lack humility? Well, to admit that you lack something is very difficult for us to do and that's what we do in prayer. We have to admit that we lack something and we like as humans to look like we've got everything. We show that to other people, we show off our new products that we have, we show off in our homes that we have everything. We don't lack anything. But if we ask someone, then we're admitting that we lack something. And the other thing that means is we need someone to help us. Whereas as sinful humans, we like to think that we are 
self-dependent. We are completely independent. We don't need anyone to help us. We may lack something, but we can go about getting it. I just need to work harder, get some more money, and then I'll be able to buy it. I don't need God to give it to me. And I don't need his strength to do something. I can work out some sort of program so that I can be a holier person. I can be someone who is more faithful in Bible reading. I don't need God to help me. I'm independent. I'm self-sufficient. Whereas if we pray, we show that we aren't, that we are dependent upon God and we need his help. We need God to help us. We need to ask him or otherwise we won't receive. Sometimes God does give us those things that we need without us asking but often he likes us to come before him in prayer and he won't give us until we have asked. It may be that he gives you a Bible reading plan. He gives you a Bible so that you can read the Bible And then he gives you the strength after you've asked him so that you can do it. God does like us being orderly. He is a God of order. But he likes us to ask him for such order and he likes us to ask him for the strength to be able to do those things. So first main point this morning, prayer works. That's the first thing Jesus teaches us. The second thing is he also teaches us to be persistent in prayer, to pray persistently. Second main point is prayer is persistent. Prayer works, prayer is persistent. The way it's written in the Greek here is the form of these imperatives, ask, seek and knock, they're written in such a way that they're continuous, that the sense is is that they're continually done. It's not a case of do it once and it's all over, that you do it again and again, that it's a continuous thing. It's like keep on asking, keep on seeking, Keep on knocking. You don't, as a Christian, pray once and that's it for the rest of your life. No, you pray again and again and again. But sadly, we often pray about things once and leave it at that. We pray once and then that's all over. Why do we do that? Well, because often nothing happens. God promises that prayer works and we pray about something and nothing happens. And we don't get those immediate results that we so much like as people. We like immediate results. If I ask for something, it should show up the very next minute. We like immediate results. But that isn't how life works generally. We know that persistence is something that we need in life. If a man wants to be an astronaut, does he do it the next day? No, he has to be persistent. He has to work at it. He probably has to start very young, He has to start uh, training himself there at school, getting a good education there and then goes to university, studies there and then he has to get employed by a company like NASA and be able to uh, learn what it means to be an astronaut there and then gradually, eventually, he gets up into outer space. It requires a lot of persistence to actually get there. We need to be persistent to get many things in life and a child even knows this child wants a lolly from its mother, asks. Does it get it straight away? No, but it knows that if it's persistent enough and keeps on asking for a lolly, for a lolly, for a lolly and knocks on the bedroom door when the bedroom door is closed, if it's persistent enough, sometimes it pays off. We learn that persistence is something that is necessary to get good things and it's the same with God. He likes us to be persistent with him in prayer. He doesn't give us the first time we ask. He likes to see persistence. God actually likes being badgered and nagged. 
I think he's the only parent that does. He is one that asks his children to be persistent, to badger him, to nag him. And it's not only here with these continuous imperatives that is showing that we need to be persistent. He tells us this in Luke, Luke chapter 18, where it speaks of prayer. Luke chapter 18, page 1038. 1038 in the Black Church Pew Bibles. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Verse 2. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. God wants you to cry out to him day and night, to be persistent in prayer. Now why would God want to do this? Why would he delay? Why would he make us persist? Why would he say not yet for certain good requests that we come to him with? Well, Richard Sibbs, a great Puritan in the 1600s, he gives four reasons. I think they were helpful ones for me to read and so I thought I'd share them with you. Richard Sibbs says, one reason why God delays so that you'll persist in prayer is so that your faith and dependence upon him are better shown. So you show that you really know what it is to depend upon God. Whereas if you pray once and give up, you show that you don't depend upon the God as much. Whereas if you have to persist in prayer, it shows that you are dependent upon God, that you know that he's the only one that can answer your request. And so you keep coming back to him again and again and again. Second, to humble you. If you say a prayer and it gets immediate results, well then you think, oh, it's all about me and penny in the slot, God dispenses what I want. Whereas if you don't get what you want, it humbles you and recognises that you are a person who can't control everything and you need to keep coming back to God again and again and again. It humbles you more and more, as all prayer does, where we have to request things from God. It humbles us more and more and that's a good thing. Third, to raise your appetite for what you're getting. If you got immediately those things that you asked for, well then you wouldn't have much of an appetite for them and you say, oh yes, and move on to my next request. Whereas if God doesn't give to you straight away, when he does, it'll be more joyous than if he'd given it to you straight away. Imagine that person that you've been praying for for years and years to become a Christian. If you'd prayed once and they became a Christian, oh yes, you'd be pretty happy. But imagine if it took 10, 20 years of prayer day by day for that person and then they turned. 20 years of 365 days a year praying for that person. Wouldn't your appetite for that be enormous and wouldn't your joy be enormous and wouldn't your gratefulness to God and thankfulness to him for what he has done be enormous? It increases our appetite when he makes us persist in prayer. And then fourthly, to raise the price of his gifts. If God gave us straight away 
it would seem like it wasn't that much a, a value. But if we have to persist in prayer and we have to do 365 days, 20 years to get something, it's a pretty valuable gift then. The price of that gift is very high and we start to recognise how wonderful it is that God gives us anything. We are sinners. We don't deserve anything from God. Why shouldn't he charge high prices for his gifts that we have to pray again and again? It's not too much to do. It is a wonderful mercy of God that he would give us anything. So persist in prayer. Badger God. He likes it. He likes you to nag at him. He likes you to come before him in prayer regularly. So first, we saw that Jesus taught us that prayer works. Second, prayer is persistent. Third and last, Jesus teaches us to remember who we are praying to. And my third main point then is, prayer is to the good Father. And that's the second part of the passage that we're looking at, verses 9 through to 11. We're told that God is a good Father there. Now how does that encourage us to pray? Well, two ways. One, it means that God gives good gifts to good requests. And earthly fathers prove the point. From verses 9 to 11, he makes the point that God will give good gifts to good requests. Verse 9, chapter 7, Matthew's Gospel. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? No earthly father would do such a thing. If you then, though you are evil, though man is evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? It makes sense. Our earthly fathers prove that God is going to answer good requests because our earthly parents always answer good requests well. When we ask for bread, they don't give us a stone something that's completely unappetising and will not fulfil the need that the child has and is actually a bit of a mockery, the way he picks these two ideas here. A stone can resemble a loaf of bread and so he's kind of mocking the child here. Here's something that looks like bread but isn't going to satisfy you and it's the same with the fish. A slippery fish and instead you get a slippery snake, something that mocks you and is unappetising and may even kill you, completely venomous. Our earthly parents don't do that. So how much more our Heavenly Father, who is completely holy and not evil, how much more will he give good gifts to those who ask him good requests? He doesn't sit up there in heaven and you ask for wisdom and he says, no, I'm going to give foolishness. You've asked for a good thing. He's going to give good gifts to those who ask good requests. He's not going to extract some malicious glee out of frustrating you and mocking you. But sadly, that's what so many people think of God, that he's up there having fun with us. We ask for things that we need and are good things to ask for and God somehow in his evil temper up there gives us bad things. No, if our earthly parents didn't and we know they make mistakes, how much more will our good Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask good requests? So be encouraged to pray. He is a good Father and he's willing to answer. The second way that knowing he's a good Father is helpful for us in prayer is that he refuses 
harmful requests. He's a good father and so he refuses harmful requests. God is actually limited. He cannot be unholy. He cannot do something evil. He cannot sin. God is limited. He limits himself. He is a holy God. He cannot sin. And so he will not give bad gifts to those who ask bad requests. He will just not answer your request. And that's something that we understand. My son Joshua, he started asking me for things already with his hands and with his motions and with his crying. Some things he wants are dangerous to him. He wants small little things that he can put in his mouth. Everything goes into his mouth. can't believe everything is about what it tastes like. Everything goes into his mouth. And so little things he wants to put into his mouth just like everything else. But I have to make sure he doesn't have those little things, those requests for things that he sees on the dinner table. He can't have them if they're going to be dangerous to him. They're bad requests that he is making. And I, as a loving parent, must refuse those requests because they are harmful to him. Our God is the same. He refuses those requests that are bad, that are harmful requests. Our God is not like the God of King Midas. You know the story of King Midas, the the Greek king who asked that everything he touched would turn to gold and the king got his request from his God. And so everything he touched turned to gold and it was quite a good thing. He touched some soil, it turns to gold. But then he touched his daughter and she became a gold statue. And he was most upset. Something harmed him by the answer of that request. And then he started to want to eat and drink. And every time his lips touched the food, every time he went to take a drink, the wine turned to gold, the grapes turned to gold, everything turned to gold and he wasn't able to eat and drink and he was going to die. And so he had to ask God, his God, to take away that request that he had been granted. Our God is not like the God of King Midas. He knows what is harmful to us and so he protects us from ourselves, from those bad requests that we make. But so often when we pray and we don't get, we scream and get angry at God because he hasn't answered our request. We don't trust that he is a good God and knows best for us and that maybe that thing we requested was actually harmful for us. We don't trust that. No, we think we know best when God is the one who knows best. His wisdom is greater than our wisdom. And so when we request things and we don't receive, maybe it's a good thing to ask in your head, not, does God love me anymore? But was that a bad request? Did I ask for a snake? And God said, no, I'm not going to give you that snake. Don't get angry with God. Trust him that he knows best. He is a good father. He is better than our earthly fathers and they wouldn't give us bad things. So much more our heavenly father won't give us bad things. So Jesus teaches us three things. Prayer works. Prayer should be persistent. Prayer should be to the good father. We should remember that it's to the good father. Now you've entered a new year and we're all making New Year's resolutions, aren't we? to see what we will do this new year. We've been given a new year. Are you planning on remembering that prayer works? Is that one of your New Year's resolutions? Pray that you will remember that prayer works. 
Are you planning on being more persistent in your prayers than you were last year, spending more time in prayer? Because prayer works and because God wants you to pray, pray that you will spend more time in prayer. Are you going to make a New Year's resolution that you will trust God more this coming year and you will not be as angry and disgruntled and discontented with him as you were last year when he didn't grant your requests? that you will trust that he knows best. Pray that you will be able to trust him more this year. Let us pray to him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of prayer that we can speak to you, the God who made everything. Lord, we pray that we may remember that prayer actually works. We thank you that you grant our requests that you are pleased to do so. And Lord, we pray that we may be persistent in prayer. We have a whole new year that you have given us before us. Lord, help us to pray more this year than we've ever prayed before. Help us to be more persistent in praying for those things that you have not granted us. Help us to come before you every day and beg of you humbly that you would be our God, that you would be the one we depend upon above all else. And Lord, we pray that we may remember that you are a good father, that you give good gifts to those who ask good requests and that also means you refuse many of our requests. We are sinful, we are stupid, we are foolish and we ask for dumb things regularly, Lord. And you, in your wisdom and your graciousness, refuse those to us. That is a wonderful truth. I thank you, Lord, that you do not grant my every request, that you know best for me. Help me to submit to that truth more and more and help all of us to encourage each other to submit to that truth more and more. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.